Do you have somebody in your life who loves books? Somebody who not only loves books, but always wants to share what she's reading with you, thinking that you're just gonna <laughs> love her latest selection? And inevitably, you just can't stand that book that she suggested. That's us. Mm -hmm. We both read a lot. Well, I don't even read, I listen. But we very rarely agree on what constitutes a good read. I enjoy books that build up new worlds, invite magic and mystery into our lives. Science fiction and fantasy rule. I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I listen to a variety that's all grounded <laughs> in reality. You can keep your elves and space operas. Uh, I don't think there are elves or space operas in this book, by the way. Okay. So, welcome to our podcast. <laughs> You're making me read what? Your hosts on this monthly podcast are myself, Jessica, and my colleague, Christine. We're librarians who get a thrill out of a great book, but usually can't stand what the other person is reading. We've each selected some of our all-time favorite books. Each month, we'll alternate between the lists with the goal of persuading the other to enjoy a read that she would have never picked up on her own. Even a book that isn't entirely your style may have some redeeming qualities to it, right? I guess we'll see. We will see. Okay, you want to spoiler alert us? Yes, I'm going to just dive right in because this book did have some magic and some magical twists. Just a couple. And we are going to talk about all of them. So now is the time for us to warn you that we're going to talk about the whole book. And if you haven't yet read Spinning Silver and you don't want us to spoil anything for you, please stop listening now and join us again after you've read it or decided that you're just not going to. I cannot envision a world where someone would not want to read this book. It's fantastical Agreed. and fantastic <laughs> is both of those things. And um, I'm going to tell a little bit about the story. Good. And then I thought, I don't think we've ever talked about this before, but I, I showed it to you earlier. I actually read an ARC version of this. Yes. And I thought it would be interesting to talk about that a little bit too. And you'll have to define what ARC is. I will. Okay. It's a mystery for now. We're luring people in so they keep listening through the explanation about what the book's about. Wow. I know. The payoff is going to be huge. <laughs> I know. An acronym. Ooh, <laughs> fancy. <laughs> so this month's book was one of my picks, and it's mm -hmm. called Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik. It is not a series, which is a little atypical for me. You know how much I love a good series. Do you see the puzzlement on my face? I do. It's, it uh, feels like it is a series or will shortly become one. No. No. This is a standalone book. I disagree. Book. I totally okay. disagree with the author that this is not a series. Okay. I would love for her to write another book. You know I will read it. So the this book is, um, it's kind of a fairy tale retelling, but not really. Mm -hmm. It's set in some kind of medieval time, somewhere in Eastern Europe or maybe Russia, that general area. And it follows the storyline of a couple of different women. And it starts out with a girl named Miriam, and she is a uh, a young girl, sorry, the book, mm -hmm. 15 or 16, and her family are Jewish moneylenders. Mm -hmm. And so this is a, a very indirect spin off of Rumpelstiltskin. And so her story starts as she is picking up her father's career as a moneylender to support her family. And then her story starts intertwining with other people in her community and royalty and fantastical creatures and people as she develops her skills as a moneylender and as she catches the eye of one of these fantastical creatures, humanoid creatures, um, who think that she can literally change silver into gold. So I'm going to leave it at that because we'll mm -hmm. talk about other parts of it. But I, th I think that covers yeah. a goodly portion of the basis. Absolutely. So the arc. cliffhanger. What's an arc? Tell us what an arc is <laughs> and why it's important. Well, fancy you should ask. 
I actually have I have my book with me, yes. and it's got a little seal on it, so I don't forget what this very long acronym means. Yes. An ARC is an advanced reader's copy, uh-huh. so um, publishers might send it to individuals or libraries or bookstores to have people read it through and want to buy copies to either sell or distribute to the public. So the it's library, a trailer. It is a what? no. It's the whole thing. Oh, that's true. Yeah. It's That's very... why I call an advanced resource copy instead of a trailer, I guess. <laughs> it's a very long trailer that is, in fact, the whole movie. Right. <laughs> but the thing about ARCs is when I was typing up my notes for our podcast today, uh, ARCs are not the final version of a book. Right. And so I started thinking, what if they made major changes to this? And I just have never known about it because I've only read the advanced reader copy. I'm totally going to exploit that and start talking <laughs> about things that are not in the book and force you to opine about them. Oh, no. I'll have to read it all over again. <laughs> I'm so sad. No, it was just, it, it makes you think. Usually, the only changes that they make from an ARC version to a, a final publication version, minor things. Sure. You know, like maybe they change the cover. There might be some grammar or formatting or spelling or punctuation. They're not typically changing the entire story. So if you try and convince me that some kind of crazy, like there actually was a flying spaceship that landed in this book, I think I would know better than to assume you're correct. Okay, well, we'll see. You're correct. We will see. (laughs) So I'm fascinated that you think this is going to be a series. Yes. Why? Well, because I think it is very, the thing that left me completely unsatisfied was at the end when the, so wow, we're starting at the end. That's weird. Um, okay. So we're starting at the end and the, um, gosh, what's it called? The, the Trinibog. evil thing. Yeah. Trinibog. Trinibog. Yeah. When Trinibog gets out of the czar. Yeah. Now I want to know what the czar's like as an unpossessed person. Oh. And I feel like that could be the next book of like, just, be a great just book. talking about how the czar is now, because he's this handsome hottie, right? Yeah. And everybody loves him, but his personality's so terrible that they can't get near him. <laughs> so now maybe he's this handsome hottie that is a kind person and has redeemed himself. I, okay, yes, I would read that book. <laughs> but no, I don't think there will be a sequel. So this author, let me tell you a little bit about her. Because I, I don't know how much research you've done on her other works. I'm going to go ahead and say none. Okay, you're not going to like them. I'm just going <laughs> to put this out there for you. So... Uh, the first, so uh, this lady it first picked a female author this time. Good job. I know. I feel <laughs> like it was purposeful. We kept picking these British male authors. Uh-huh. I was like, it will not happen. Okay. She is American. Yes. She was born, I think, in the Bronx <laughs> or in Brooklyn. She was born somewhere in New York uh, in the 70s. Um, uh, she's a lady. We got a couple bases covered. Good Great. job, us. And um, she... Uh, she has a, a bachelor's in English, but her master's is actually in computer science. Uh-huh. So she is both an author and an engineer, which I think is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And she decided she was actually writing st- like stories and code for computer games. Oh, funny. And decided she liked the stories part better, okay. which is when she started writing. So her main body of work is a series called, and I am not going to say this right because I have only read them and I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it. It's called the Temerary series. Okay. <laughs> it's um, it's a reimagining of the Napoleonic Wars. Oh God! But in a world where there are dragons. Oh God! So imagine all that fighting happening, but your aerial forces are dragons. <laughs> They're so good, and I don't even like military fiction that often. But this one had enough dragons that I, I was sold slightly sure. on it. So when you decide that that is your new cup of tea, right? There are nine books in that series. Oh wow! Okay. So that you've really got a duration to hold you through. Like it. 
Um, so that, that series, I think, is, is done at this point. And then she turned her hand to some of her own kind of upbringing and history. Mm -hmm. So although Spinning Silver is a standalone book, she wrote a book before this that was also rooted in um, kind of classic mythology of her mm -hmm. own background. It was called Uprooted. And it's, um, it's like a blending of a couple of different storylines from Polish mythology. Okay. So like, and, and general kind of Eastern European Slavic. So like it's partly Baba Yaga stories, partly... Um, um, kind of classic songs that she learned as a child. Oh. And it was another really fascinating one, but it was a standalone. Okay. And so I, th I think they're both standalones. That's my guess right now. How impressed are you going to be when she comes out with the second in the series and it's about the new improved czar? You're going to think that I'm brilliant. You're going to be rich because <laughs> <laughs> you gave her that idea. I, I don't know that he... I don't know that that would be a whole book, though, at this point. He might not be enough, yeah. Yeah. Well, well she would weave other stuff in, because he was only one of, yes. you know, probably ten. Yeah. And there were there were so many storylines in here that kind of crossed and yeah. came together. And I don't always love books that have lots of different narrators, right. which we've talked about. Right. And this one I liked because they all had a central point. Like, I knew they were in the same world. Mm -hmm. We had read that book uh, about the one place in Rhode Island, whose yes. name I can't remember. Uh, I'm sorry. The um, Maze... Windermere. Maze at Windermere. And that was a little harder for me because yeah. they were in the same place, but it was all these different times yep. and I, I couldn't get them all together. And with this one, at least, they're in the same time. They're connecting with each other. They're contemporaries. Right. So I was able to kind of get behind it a little bit. Um, and I guess I should flesh out the storyline a little bit so yes. that people aren't like, what's a Chernobog? Who's the czar? <laughs> was he on fire? What's happening here? <laughs> so... Miriam, our money lender, um, and her servant, I suppose, Wanda, her, yes. her family housemate. companion, mm -hmm. housemate, um, are making frequent trips into the big city to sell stuff and get money back. And so Miriam's storyline diverges into this kind of fantasy world where she's been picked up by this other race of people who want her to turn silver into gold. Called Starks. Starks. Oh, hey, I got the pronunciation on that one right. Called Starks. And her companion, Wanda, is still back in the normal world trying to hold things together with the family. Right. And you also come across Irina, who's the daughter of a duke and who Miriam sells something to that lures the eye of the czar, who happens to be possessed by a demon. Right. And all of that's normal. All, yes. Please thank you. continue. Uh, I don't know that I need to. <laughs> End of story. Uh, but eventually, uh, all their stories cross back in, and the Stark, who are like winter people they're made of snow or ice or something and the chernabog this fire demon or god depending on who you ask in different mythology is inside the czar kind of come to to battle in the end yes yes you're giving me the one-eyed squint i <laughs> i don't understand it was so, it was such a good book it was such a good book so i think there was a lot to like about this book an <gasps> awful lot okay, like good. for example She's a fabulous storyteller. Mm -hmm. um, I was engaged by the story throughout the book and really wanted to know what happened to each of them. Like, I feel like she wove interesting stories for all of them, and the character development was excellent. Um, people were sympathetic. I loved, like, for example, Miriam is incredibly brave. Yes. She's, so at a, as a young woman, she starts collecting on debts because her dad is too wimpy to do it. Yeah. And so the way I just said it makes it sound like he's a 
you know, a pushover bad person. He's not. He's a lovely person. He's kind-hearted. He's too kind-hearted for yeah. a job in which you have to have some ruthlessness. Yes. And she becomes sort of hard-hearted yeah. out of desperation. And so, and her mom laments that. That's one of the things her mom just keeps thinking, oh gosh, we've failed you because now you're hard-hearted yeah. and it's ruining your life. So there's a lot of compassion and there's a lot of um, celebration of the human spirit. And so I really, really liked that. And yeah. Wanda is incredibly loyal and she's a hard worker. She's and she's got, got such a horrifying background. Oh, she does, yeah. Like she's been the, abused by her dad yes, her whole life. They, one of the things that struck me the most about this book is it is based on a fairy tale, kind mm -hmm. of. It is not in our world. Right. It is not in our time, and it's not on our continent. And I cannot personally imagine the type of poverty right. that they talked about there, where you know, your father gets so drunk every day off of the pittance of money that you have that you have to scavenge for acorns to eat with your two siblings and sleep with the goats for warmth enough to stay alive. Right. I just... And things are so hard yeah. that your siblings don't even like you because yes. there's enough rivalry among and between you that yeah. it's like survival of the fittest. Yeah. And so that's so foreign to what a lot of families in this country, yes. I won't say most or many, yeah. but a lot of families in this country, um, their reality. So yeah. anyway, I found there, there was a lot to really, really like and admire about this. I also loved... Miriam's parents' generosity because yeah. they took in Wanda and her older brother yep. and gave them work when they really couldn't afford it and made sure that every day part of their um, work with the family was to get a good meal yeah. so that they would survive. So anyway, there was a lot to like about it. Uh oh, no, there's no, don't say but. Just keep I will going not say on. but. Keep going on with all the things that you loved about the it. The part that I did not like as much. Uh -huh. I felt like it was about 25% too long. Oh, It okay. needed to be much, much more edited. I can, I can actually agree with that. So I have the book in front of me right now. You have it the is, arc in front of you. I have the... The arc. Oh, I do have, yes. <laughs> it's still a book. Uh-huh. Uh, 434 pages. Yeah. I enjoyed the story enough that I don't actually mind that went along. Right. And it's similar to when we read uh, Cleopatra. Yeah. By Mary, um, Mary George. No, Margaret George. Yep. I don't mind if a book goes long if I'm enjoying it. Sure. Because it's just, it's prolonging the enjoyment for me. Sure. But you are not wrong. <laughs> it, it was just a little much. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Um, this is a little piddly complaint. <laughs> and I admit it. That because her writing is so good. And because I enjoyed so much of it. Very much. Yeah. Um, Stepan? Yeah. I don't know. Is it Stepan with a P or with an S? S-T-E-P-O-N. Okay. Um, I couldn't tell from the way the pronunciation was if it was with an F or a P. So Stepan, her younger brother, yeah. his voice is very simplistic. I think overly simplistic yeah. and kind of stupid. I mean, not sure. stupid in a... I'm not saying that was his mental state. Just as a reader, it was not pleasant to listen to. Yeah, he was he was not the driving force of this book. That right. is for sure. He had a place as a secondary character. Uh -huh. um, like you were saying earlier, Wanda, you know, at the start of the book, so Miriam is doing all the money lending for her uh -huh. family, and one of the families that owes money is Wanda's father, right? who drank away two-thirds of the money that was lent, got the rest as medicine for his wife who ended up passing away mm -hmm. and then has lived in resentment since then about both the debt he owes, his spouse that's passed away and the children he has that he doesn't think works hard enough. Right. 
And so Wanda starts working for the Mandelstroms as part of payment for this right. whole process. Because Miriam has the foresight <laughs> to see her working and says, holy cow, that yes. young woman can lift far more than I can. Yes. I'm going to just say, you can work off your debt. Yes. But at the start of the story, Wanda does not connect with either of her brothers, right. uh, Sergei or Stepan, who are much younger than her. Right. And as the story advances, you see, as with many of the books we read, that idea of found family and mm -hmm. developed family versus the family that you're born with. I wrote this, wrote this note on here about um, how parents are displayed in this book. Yeah. So, like, Miriam's parents, uh, Panov and Panova Mandelstrom, I might be saying that correctly, I, Mr. I, Mrs.? I think those are uh, diminutives or respectful. Okay. Those aren't their names. It's like Mr. and Mrs. Yeah, or, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So Miriam's parents are, I would say, fully formed characters. Like yes. You, you understand their ambitions and their motives and what makes them sad. Mm -hmm. And they and their are limitations. sympathetic, mm -hmm. you know? And Wanda's father is this horrifying specter of a person but you still understand mm -hmm. how he got where he is. Yep. It's just not great. And Irina's father, the daughter of the Duke, mm -hmm. I had the hardest time with him mm -hmm. because at the start, he didn't really care about her. She was a tool. Yep. She should have been a son. Right. She wasn't a son. And then he tried to teach her things, and she was apparently not smart enough for him. So then he just ignores her. Right. Shoves her into a little room in the attic of the house and then decides at some point he's going to have to marry her off. Right. So he might as well try something. And then when she gets this magical jewelry, the ring and the necklace and the crown that comes from the money that was changed over from the sterics, mm -hmm. um, well, then she's got a use for him. Sure. But then the further in you get the book you get, he's working with her. Like, she is actually has a brain now. He respects her opinion. Yes. He's taking advice from her. I it's couldn't a little, figure out where the changeover yeah. in that one came from. But Agreed. I appreciated the kind of full scope of parenthood that was shown in this book because oftentimes if you have a single main character, you have a single perspective on what an adult is or right. what a parent does or how you choose to create a family. Right. And this one showed like a wide array of them, which I thought was, was nice. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I just thought of another reason that I think this is the first in a series of books. Yes, I'm ready for it. Stepan. So he, he had this odd... It, no. <laughs> he had this seemingly um, unnecessary or unrelated to the story aversion to sound. Oh, yeah. So it just seemed really weird. Like she was setting this up for to explore it sometime later, and then it never got explored. So it was just really weird. Like why do we care that he's covering his ears and so upset about all of the noise and revelry that's going on downstairs at the wedding that he doesn't understand yeah. if there's not a purpose for it? So it was oh. just a... A, a very protract, pr protracted um, description yeah. of something that ended up having no value. Okay, very interesting, and I went a different way with that. Okay. So I assumed, rightly or wrongly, that Stepan was somewhere on the autism spectrum mm -hmm. and that he had, like, Asperger's or something sure. like that. And I thought that they were going to use that as a development tool for the familial relationship between the three of them, but particularly between the older brother, Sergei and Wanda, mm -hmm. further, because they um, would be attempting to explain the world in different ways to him. Right. But that didn't come to fruition either. So. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I agree with you. I think that that was a perfect setup for yeah. her to do that, and I kept waiting for that to happen, and then it didn't. So I was like, okay, maybe he's in, maybe the Tsar and Stepan are in book two, <laughs> and there's some kind of like... And the little snow ice people. Let's just bring them all in. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. 
<laughs> I, I know that was not your favorite part, but it, I think that storyline had an appropriateness to it as well, that they were trying to showcase in, in the world that Miriam and Wanla, Wanda and Irina live in, um, there are all of these divides. Mm-hmm. There's religious divides. So Miriam is Jewish. Right. And I don't know that I could identify. I don't think they actually stated what any of the others were, but I would assume Catholic or some version of Christianity. Yeah, I think it was the Tsar's Christianity. Yeah. So Russian. Yeah, something Russian like that. Orthodox. Um, there were very harsh splits between the haves and the have-nots. Yeah. And um, the idea of beauty and yeah. what it means to have value for people. Yeah. So you see all of those in the real world variation of this book and then you go into the fantasy world variation of this book and there's the same things so you can't get away from the hardships in life and you can't get away from the dividers in life even if you have moved to a realm that is made entirely of snow where you can (laughs) magically turn silver into gold there is still servitude and there's still disparity and there's still hardship and I know you do not like the fantasy side of it as much, but I took it as a very long metaphor. Okay, yeah. I, I can get there. I, this, the magic component in this story, a lot of times I'm neutral on it. Yeah. Like it doesn't appeal to me, but yeah. I can kind of see past it. Yeah. In this story, it actually detracted from the story to me because okay. the rest of the story was so interesting and the, the um, writing was so good and the characters were so good mm-hmm. that I felt like, like it, it just was a little forced. It felt forced sure. to me. For example, I never really did understand why the Staric thought that she was actually turning silver into gold because there was no... And then when she did, simply by touching it, I was like, well, wait a second, where did that come from? And then she could do it two layers, but not three. And it, yeah. was, it was just a little bit silly. But oh, yeah. I understand, yeah. you know, the willing suspension of disbelief. And so we're <laughs> supposed to just you, go with the punch. You, with would, the- you would have had, I think, the same reaction to the first book, not of the series, but of the, the same <laughs> writing style, Uprooted, uh, which was uh, partially based around, um, like, there's a castle, and there's a dragon in the castle. The dragon's a person. Okay. Surprise. And the dragon goes and picks out fair maidens from the community. He's actually looking for apprentices. Okay. Um, and so this, that part of the story I think you would have liked. Yeah. But there were also, like, trees that ate people. Okay. So that part I don't think you would have liked as Not much. Not as much. Yes. And for me, it was good. So I have a question for you. Mm. I was super confused. Remember, there's <laughs> a little house, and it's in Both it's worlds. in each world. Yeah. And they kept, I couldn't understand or figure out, were they there at the same time and they couldn't see each other, or did they actually miss each other conveniently because they would leave stuff for each other and find yeah. it later? Like one would leave a pot of gruel or oatmeal or whatever yeah. on the um oven or in the, in the stove baking. And then another would leave, um, mended, you know, yeah. bed linens or yeah, something. They were crocheting stuff. Yeah. And I think through my willing suspension of disbelief, right. That they were in the same place at the same time in different dimensions okay. or different areas, because it seemed like, um, Irina's maidservant, the older woman, mm-hmm. um, it seemed like, so she would go to sleep in that room and she had been working on some kind of knitted project and she would wake up and it was further along. Right. So I don't think somebody came in and let her sleep and slowly took away the knitted project and did a little bit more and then put it back. Right. But the, there were a lot of pieces in there that were meant to just keep going in your imagination. So the same way that we didn't learn more about the czar's mother and the deal that she made that put Chernobog in, like he possessed the czar from birth. Right. We have no idea what her background was, 
or if she was a witch, which she was labeled in this book, or if she was the witch in this book that was in that house, All right. or where they come from, right. or how they split things. I have no idea. So that's another, there you go, one more little piece. We're, we're slowly <laughs> creating a second book in this series. I know. It's going to be a good one. You're going to like it. So Ms., what's her name? Novik. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so, But I did like, so just to show that I don't have to be a, a stick in the mud for all fantastic um, elements. The the idea of going through the mirror was interesting yeah. to me, like in the water, and and I thought that that was an interesting um, device to yeah. use, and I was willing to suspend my disbelief for that. And I think I would have enjoyed the little house more if I had kind of understood that they were occupying it the, at the same time, because that's an interesting idea. Yeah, um, and just not able to, but like they can see the physical. Um, elements that have changed but not see each other i think I, that would have been interesting so she's um she is working she just released a new book which is the first in a new series oh no uh, which i have purchased and is sitting on my bedside table so should, that means she's not going to write another she could come back to one. it she okay. could come back to it so her new book is called a deadly education <laughs> and what it sounds like is evil harry potter oh like it's a school for magic that the devil set up haven't gotten any further than that because I haven't read it yet. So mm -hmm. I appreciate that we're building her next book for her, mm -hmm. and I hope she comes back to it. Mm -hmm. But she also has a new series she has started. So it may also be unlikely that this is the first thing on her list. It may be 30 years from now. <laughs> oh, All right. Uh, well, I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed it, even though it, maybe it wasn't – it was a smidge too long. Yes. Yes. But I would give it a solid B-. minus. I'll take it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's like an A-plus from you. I accept. Okay, I what do you inflate grades. <laughs> you don't have to. I did it in my head. Tell me what we're reading next. Well, remember way back a little while ago when I said yes. the pandemic is making me stupid and I want to read happy books that don't make me think? I do recall some variations of that, yes. yes. And that I believe I said that The Likeness by Tana French was too thinky and a little too dark for uh -huh. what we are experiencing right now. Yes. But so you made us read it, yes. I, I did. those things. And it was long. <laughs> so I want something short and sweet. <gasps> okay. And I'm going back to one of my favorites, which I've read a couple of times, um, The Girl with the Pearl Earring by Tracy Chevalier. Okay. It is a delightful little book, and I had the pleasure of reading it and then going to Delft. So it was really fabulous to have all of that imagery in my mind when I was visiting Delft. So. Okay. I like that it's short yes. because my books have not been. <laughs> and I should also mention, not only did I complete the book for today's podcast, not today, huh. I finished it like a week ago. Oh my gosh. I don't know how it happened. Huh. It was sitting next to my bed and I picked it up and I started reading it and then I was done. That's Oh, because it was an advanced reader's copy. Yes. It, you needed it to ad read it in advance. It advanced me yes. as we went through. Yes. Okay. So, I will I will give your book a try. Okay. And I'm already excited about the duration of it. it yes, I know you will be. And it's a happy book. I like so, that too. So thank you for joining us on You're Making Me Read What? Even if this book wasn't your cup of tea, there are millions more where that came from. And don't forget, you can always grab these books and lots more at your local library. So join us next month when we will be discussing The Girl with the Pearl Earring by Tracy Chevalier. Thank you and keep on reading.